delivering high-quality, technology-centric podcasts around the world. This is MunchTech.tv, taking a bite out of technology. Hello and welcome to episode 487 of The Two Techies for Saturday, November 9th, 2019. This is, of course, the show where we talk about the week's most notable tech stories in around an hour or less with myself, Jimmy Bunting, and him, Aaron Fisher. Take the week's technology news, what we think is the most notable news, talk about it, analyse it, debate, discuss, sometimes argue about it, and then leave you to do your own thing for another week. To recover after listening from us. To us. On this week's episode, GoPro sales strengthen thanks to smartphones. The new dot com bubble is here. And the Apple TV Plus again. Dot ka, I think I said there. Dot com bubble is here. The new dot com bubble is here. Welcome to episode 487, whether it is the first time listening to the show, somewhere in between, or the 487th time listening to the show. Thank you so much for doing so. From around the world, which is very humbling, as we always say, it's crazy that we we actually reach every single corner of the globe. So thank you for taking the time to join us. It's been a slow week in technology, hasn't it, Aaron? Oh, just a little bit. Mm. Um, Not that that takes away from the show. We never do. We always have something to talk about, something interesting. Well, I assume interesting. I think it's interesting. I was going to say, think you we'll think have, it's interesting, Aaron, don't you? We'll have something to talk about. The idea of it being interesting is a different topic. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, episode 487, which, which actually does have some sort of significance to technology. It's the shorthand for the Intel 80487 floating point processor chip, which is actually a full-blown um, implementation within itself, uh, which was, I think it was a floating, pro- yeah, so it's a, a floating point unit coprocessor for the Intel i4 6x SX machine. When installed into the system, the i487 disabled the main CPU and took over all CPU operations. Measures the uh, to detect the presence of an i486SX and would not function without the original CPU in place. Basically, it's a chip. There's also the 587, but we're 100 episodes off that. So we'll wait until we're at 587, which will be what? Like, that's about two years, isn't it? Two years out. So yes, um, in terms of technology news, nothing really strange, startling, or, or interesting to report. What we can report, however, last week, AirPod Pro. AirPods Pro times AirPods one. Pros. <laughs> <laughs> to cover all eventualities, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Just put S's everywhere and then it'll be fine. This week, AirPods Pros times two. Can you tell I bought something on Impulse? I mean, to be fair, knowing my track record, it was not a guarantee that the second pair was yours. Well, yeah, that's also true. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. I mean, I, st- I think I still win out on the, uh, the app having absolutely no... Um, what do you call it? Uh, not not um, remorse. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Regret? No, um, no. When you buy something without thinking about it. Impulse? No impulse, no. Self-control. That's the word I'm looking <laughs> for. There's a bit of a difference. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, just grammatically, technically, it was just the opposite of impulse. But uh, Fair enough. As we've established, I, I think I uh, I saw them announcement. Bye. Didn't read anything about them. It's just that, yep, bye. <laughs> but uh, mm. I know you've only had them for a few hours at this point if that what do you think mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I like them. Um, in terms of comfort, I, I don't know. I can't make a determination yet as to whether or not they're the most comfortable in the world, but I like them. The quality is very good. They, they, yeah, they, they cannot deny the quality is there. The noise cancellation is actually quite weird. And I was actually talking um, in the Apple Store to some of the people, and they were saying a few people, including staff, have felt ill because of the noise cancellation with one fainting. Because it's so weird. That seems odd. I mean, have you owned any noise cancelling headphones or earphones before? Is it or is this your first? Uh, Use them, but I not on a routine basis. See, I think these are. I. I mean, we talked about this last week. I think the noise cancelling on these is very good. I think, as I explained to you before, any noise cancelling headphones they struggle with certain things. So constant sounds. um, They'll do very well at blocking out. But when I've been walking around with them, and you might find this as well you'll find like things you don't necessarily expect it to pick up like it will randomly like you'll just hear it as if it's not even trying to cancel out and that can be very jarring sometimes all noise cancelling headphones do that it's just because of the way noise cancelling works um random sounds uh, things like tv or voices they'll struggle with because it's not a constant yeah um you can't create anti-noise for something like that uh, or something that has such a, a variation and difference in cadence and whatnot um but the amount of times i I've walked into shopping centers recently, which of course I found myself doing all the time. Um, keen shopper, me. Um, you'll you'll have them in noise cancelling mode when you're walking into it, and but just because you get used to that mode, you're like, this doesn't seem to be doing much. Like I can still hear some hubbub, and then you'll turn it off, and it feels like you're going deaf all of a sudden because it's so <laughs> loud in those places yeah. that you realize yeah. just how much difference they've been making. Um, I'm gonna be super interested to try them out on a plane at some point. Obviously, I think. Last time I was on a plane, I took my Bose ones, which are traditionally very good. Mm. Um, but yeah, if I could just travel with the AirPods, that would be absolutely mega. Are you? Uh, have you done any activity with them yet? Or no, you, no, no, no. I mean, I went to use them to do the show, and I can't because <laughs> there's a bit of a delay over Bluetooth, and obviously for monitoring and so on, you, you kind of need it right there, right then. And that's not. I'm not complaining. I'm just saying it is. Well, well that, that's that's a fact, and that's the way it is. Unfortunately, as uh, as magical as Apple can make the stuff it is still bluetooth and it does still have uh the weird delay which is uh, well, as you say it, it, when you it's it's just not innovative enough for me you want them to fix live audio i fully appreciate it you know we we, we expect better tim cook <laughs> you know the theory you said about noise cancelling and it just strikes me the theory behind noise cancellation is actually pretty simple in that obviously there's a microphone which monitors the outside noise and you're saying that it can't drown dynamic noise in that you know short blurps or bops or whatever that come in which is obvious and and also um, voice or TV or something that's constantly dynamic and that's because the frequency is changing constantly it's not a drone like of a normal you know one frequency that's going the whole way along it is a constantly changing frequency so the technology itself the microphone takes in the noise figures out the frequency at which that noise is portraying and then it creates the exact opposite um, of a waveform sort of an exact negative rather to that sound and essentially it cancels it out because the two in each other create nothing um, and that's yeah so it's, it's a simple but effective piece of um, technology and a, a simple effective usage in, a, uh, in that case and it works very well and I think I think noise cancellation, active noise cancellation, was originally developed or at least thought.
thought about because of aviation, specifically in the aviation industry, um, was thought to reduce noise for pilots in um, in the flight deck cockpit area to help them communicate better and protect their hearing as well. And I'm nearly sure that was one of the reasons why noise cancellation sort of came about. Could be wrong on that. I mean, do, do a fact y- check. You know how it is when you get off even a three or four hour flight, even a one hour flight, you, you're you're so sick to death of that drone. Now imagine someone that has to live with it all day, every day. I can see why they'd want some kind of uh, reduction in just monotone noise. As a side note, how trippy is transparency mode? It's weird. Yeah. <laughs> it's not as extreme as I thought it was going to be. I think it's more subtle than that, no? It, it's pretty extreme if you don't have anything playing, I think. But because, I don't know if you've noticed, if you, if you just play a music track and then halfway through kind of toggle between noise cancelling and transparency mode, you'll notice the audio doesn't change at all, or as far as I can tell, the music doesn't tell at all. Whereas, so you take the Bose ones, for example, noise cancelling is off or on. There's no transparency yeah. mode in between. And when it's off, I think the drivers aren't powered or something, so everything feels a little kind of un- Underpowered. And then when you turn it on, obviously the noise isolation kicks in. I think the drivers get a boost in the battery or something. Um, and there's that like change in sound. Whereas on the AirPods, obviously they're technically active all the time. Um, but transparency mode, as far as I'm aware, does nothing to the audio. And part of me would kind of like, I don't know if you might have found the same, part of me would kind of like if it dipped the audio or changed it or something. Because I think you mentioned this. If you have something playing and you turn transparency, mode on, you still can't necessarily hear what's going on around you. You may be able to hear a car or two or voice in the background, and obviously much better than with noise cancelling mode on, but it still feels like you take them out your ears. Whereas I kind of got the impression that transparency mode was not so you could leave them in your ear and be rude to everyone, but um, when you're out on a walk or on a run or, you know, cycling or whatever, you want to be able to hear cars in the environment around you. And transparency mode feels like that's exactly what it should do. You should be able to play your music whilst having an amplified version of the world around you so you you can hear that car coming just as well as you could without any headphones and any music playing. Um, but as soon as you turn music on, you know, it really does kind of mute the uh, mute the world around you slightly. And maybe, I don't know, they should put a limit on how loud you can have it so you, can, you do still pump in the outside world or maybe they mm. change something to do with the music. I don't know. Um, but because just, what, what ultimately what you really want to avoid is you're walking along the road, you're listening to music, and, and we've seen it before. Someone's got their head down, they're looking at their phone, their earphones are in, probably full volume, you know, cars coming along, and all of a sudden... And then it's game over, really, isn't it? You've been waiting far too long to play that, haven't you? <laughs> I can picture yeah. you the entire time I was talking. Yep. <laughs> He's good. You're right. Yeah. right. Wrap it up, I'm guys. Right. He's got the soundboard out. My job's done. I'm away. See you later. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> it's right in front of me. I can't not use it when the, the no opportunity arises, right? No one should ever let Jamie near any kind of sound. <laughs> it will get used and abused. <laughs> yep, you're right. You're right. But yeah, all in all, let's stop talking about earphones, I guess. Yes, I did just call them earphones. Um, that's what they are. Uh, but yeah, I'm impressed. I think they're good. Hopefully, they will get me more motivated to because obviously, running, exercise, any any form of you know with a wire, all of a sudden. But now there's no wire. I don't know. Maybe that 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 could change things. I I don't know. Maybe maybe that's in my head. Who knows? We'll see. We'll see. Um, only time will tell. Right, we're gonna go to quick news because there really isn't that much else to talk about before then. Two 
former employees of Twitter have been charged in the US with spying for Saudi Arabia. The charges, unsealed on Wednesday in San Francisco, allege that Saudi agents sought personal information about Twitter users, including known critics of the Saudi government. Mr. Al Zabara, a former Twitter engineer, is accused of accessing the personal data of more than 6,000 Twitter users in 2015 after being recruited by Saudi agents. On Tuesday, the Federal Trade Commission announced that AT&T will pay $60 million to settle a case with the agency. It alleges the company lied to customers about its unlimited data plans because it throttled their data if they ever went over a certain threshold. The settlement requires AT&T to deposit that $60 million into a fund that will be used to provide partial refunds to customers who signed up for an unlimited data plan before the year 2011. That's before or just when the company's throttling policy first went into effect. The company's also barred from marketing plans off of their suggested speed or amount of data without disclosing any restrictions those plans may have. Disney's streaming service, which will include the likes of Star Wars, Marvel, Pixar and National Geographic, is hitting the UK on March the 31st next year. Disney Plus will also arrive in Germany, France, Italy and Spain on the same date, having already soft-launched in the Netherlands. The service's biggest launch will be the Mandalorian Jon Favreau's TV series set in the Star Wars universe. The US gets the hotly anticipated show when Disney Plus launches on the 12th of November. And finally, Britbox, a streaming service offering shows from ITV, the BBC, Channel 4 and Channel 5, has launched in the UK. Downtown Abbey, Gavin and Stacey, Wolf Hall, Love Island and Broadchurch are among the shows available. C4 and C5 have come on board after ITV and the BBC announced Britbox as a way to get into the paid streaming market. The service will cost £5.99 per month and will mostly feature classic series, but will also include new shows beginning with Lambs of God. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Data protection much? 6,000 users, Saudi agents, spying on Twitter users, a former engineer. Wow. These things happen, and, and when humans are involved in the process, of course it can happen. It's not nice, and it, it's, it's completely a, a breach of trust, a breach of policy, a breach of law, um, but clearly it happened. Um, so Twitter have taken the relevant action according to their policies, and obviously the law has then kicked in as well, has been charged in the US with spying for Saudi Arabia. I think one of the, uh, one of the more interesting things that come out of this is every article I've read kind of paints Twitter as the good guy in this. Twitter have done something about it. Well, I mean, I don't even know if they have because it says both people left the company some time ago or multiple people left the company some time ago from different roles. Um, the worrying thing is for an engineer, assuming like this is not something that they don't work in support, they don't work in customer relations or any of that. Surely the company has to have some kind of internal alarm system that must go off when someone inside the company is accessing that much data. Because why would you that would person? So, yeah. yeah, why would that person need access to that data? Is beyond me. And how? I mean, we're assuming it didn't because six thousand is a big number to get to before it does set off any alarms. But it feels like maybe Twitter have obviously changed. They may well have changed policy since then. But it feels like companies need to do a better job at, at running a tighter ship when it comes to that. Um, it's all well and good us sitting here going, well, this person broke the law and yada yada yada. But on the flip side, is Twitter is kind of giving the internal people the tools to do that. Um, so it feels like we could put stops in place even kind of before it gets to that 
human error or you know that human level um you know you should have reasons to access and and escalation levels and things like that to be able to access that amount of personal data and i appreciate twitter is um you know it is a social media platform a lot of people would consider it not necessarily super personal private information but i think we do live in a world now where any of our accounts should be considered personal data and uh, just because it's public doesn't mean someone else should have access to it fair point fair point yeah there should have been an automated system in place that said wait a minute this person's accessed well, a thousand accounts or 500 i don't know what the threshold would be what his job would require him to access on a daily or monthly yearly annual quarterly whatever basis but something isn't right yeah it's one of those things that twitter that that that, that what what did that do for twitter it created excess workload not much but it still had you know someone to develop that technology into their systems and then someone to monitor that and then probably a policy in place to actually oversee it Mm, that would cost money, wouldn't it? Bearing in mind, we always used to make fun of Twitter because every time we'd talk about, oh, look, another quarter has gone past without Twitter making any money, we'd talk about the fact that they have about a million billion employees. Um, and for a product so simple, we're not sure what they all do. Um, mm. So it feels like they would have more than enough manpower to be able to do this type of stuff. And, you know, I'm sure Twitter have since changed that. They may well have had policies in place at the time. Um, but yeah, companies just, whilst what these people did is obviously completely wrong and we're not advocating or we're not making excuses for them I should say um, companies need to do a better job at not allowing it to happen in the first place right yeah sure 100% 60 million dollars unlimited plans that aren't unlimited <laughs> up to now would there have been I don't know would there have been that up to or the fair usage policy or I don't know there must have been something to, well there mustn't have actually because otherwise they couldn't have been fined 50, uh, or sorry 60 million normally in these events unlimited is unlimited but only to a certain amount and then it says actually if you go over that oh, we're gonna have to do something about it aren't we because you're causing a lot of stress on our servers and that's normally in a fall or a fair usage policy no most carriers have that or did when unlimited was a true thing yeah and it was a to be fair i think it was a fair like it was a bone of contention at the time um it's actually fairly rare for a carrier to advertise unlimited now we live in such a, a data heavy world that we either are trained to now take the word unlimited with a pinch of salt or companies just flat out don't use it. For example, in the UK now, um, every carrier and their uncle uh, seem to offer an unlimited plan at one point, whereas now mm. it's harder and harder to find that type of plan. And you're, when you do find it, you're, you're paying, paying a, a large enough premium that it probably is unlimited or at least with a very high fair usage policy. But uh, from experience over here, uh, you go back a few years when unlimited was more and more common, when we were probably in like a slightly less data heavy, so they could offer unlimited the fair usage policy wasn't actually that much data before they'd cap you. And I know a lot of, I, I can't remember if it's three or two or someone, it was like when they capped you, it was like they didn't just cap you a little bit or, you know, they didn't just cap data or whatever. Like they reduced your speeds down to like kilobytes per second or something like that. I remember that. Yeah. Um, so you had to really be careful, you know, w when you read the word unlimited and when you got suckered into buying it like we all did, um, that what you were actually getting into because sometimes the unlimited plans didn't actually have that much more data allowance than the much cheaper kind of capped plans did um, but they just like to use the word unlimited with a little asterisk next to it um i'm glad that kind of culture is going away slightly culture is probably not the right word but I'm, I'm glad that terminology is if it is not unlimited it shouldn't be marketed to us as unlimited um 
um, we and the phone carriers can't have two different definitions, or should I say, the phone carriers and the dictionary shouldn't have two different definitions of the word unlimited. And you can extend that far beyond phone carriers, to be fair. Um, so many businesses, it's unlimited, kind of, um, which is fair enough. Unlimited is a great marketing word. And if you tell someone unlimited, and I- I've seen it um, with people that have abused uh, cloud storage, um, a lot of cloud storage companies offer non-capped and unlimited um, because they full well know that most people, 99.99% of the users aren't going to upload the internet. Apart from that 0.1%, um, mm. and I've seen all so many pictures of that, it's like people will upload petabytes or you know data. Um, and that's what the fair usage policy is often there for. You'll see unlimited and it'll have some super high limit. And that's fine. Um, businesses need to protect themselves. And I think you can still get away with calling that unlimited. But when it comes to phone carriers, we full well know that their unlimited is nothing like our unlimited. No, no, there is a distinguishable difference. Disney Plus, uh, actually, from what they are including with it, National Geographic is a big, huge concern to begin with, um, let alone, you know, titles such as Star Wars and then Marvel, Pixar, th- that could do well. And is it just me, or do you see Disney Plus actually going side by side with other competitor services such as Netflix or Apple TV Plus, Hulu, etc.? Because Disney Plus almost seems like the kids' version. No, I'm not saying it is, because I know there are, you know, other offerings, but there will be a more kids oriented section which naturally the grown adults will go "Mm, yeah i guess i better buy it for the child but i want netflix so they buy two you know you're not gonna buy all of them you're not gonna pay for apple tv plus and hulu and netflix and prime video and so on and so forth but you could pay for two right agree i think disney plus is gonna be massive um i mean the attraction of star wars marvel uh pixar obviously massive massive franchises or uh movie houses i guess um and then national geographic as you say and ever expanding because disney are like the behemoth that can't be stopped when it comes to to purchasing well anything in its path um i think disney plus i think there will be some platforms that will struggle to coexist with it i don't think people are going to want to pay for apple and disney and hulu and netflix and amazon like when you actually stop and think about how many there are now and britbox um when you stop and think about how many there are now it's like we're just back at square one with the cable days when we used to pay so much money per month. We're now paying so much money to like 18 different companies um, which is kind of annoying. Um, Apple have got the advantage at the moment where, you know, it's like you could throw, if you throw a pebble too far you'll get a free trial of it um, for a year. Um, so Apple are reeling customers in with, with auto-renew but in 12 months so they forget about it. Um, Netflix is obviously Netflix. I know n- no company is too big to fail but Netflix are, they're like the Facebook of the street world and it feels like it's going to take a lot to to replace them um i think people did we did generally get a bit worried um this is probably six or 12 months ago obviously disney started pulling all their stuff a lot of their stuff off of uh off of netflix um Mm. because of the fact that they're going to be launching or they are launching uh the disney plus streaming service so i think netflix you know, they've obviously got the huge focus on uh, original content. Apple is exclusively original content. Um, Amazon is snapping up everything else with a little bit of, uh, with a sprinkling of, of original content in there as well. So I think most companies are obviously realizing that because one or two companies own the rights to so many of the big franchises now, i.e. Disney, um, that original content is the only way they're going to be able to play in this market. Um, Disney have such a huge head start on this. And, 
and kind of the worrying thing is, I think if Disney does well, what's to stop Warner Brothers or Paramount or, you know, Viacom yeah. or any of these other like movie houses, what's to stop them doing the same thing? They obviously have massive franchises in themselves. Um, I think that's the worrying thing, especially for us as a consumer, but especially for, um, or, or particularly for us as a consumer, but especially for the likes of Amazon and the likes of Netflix, where that's obviously kind of a lot of their non-original content is probably from those guys. Well, um, they have to weigh it up. That fragmentation could be very bad and it could actually affect them all because you're not going to pay for them all. So you're going to choose which one you want. There is a happy medium. Okay, so we've got Disney+, Plus, Apple TV+, Plus, Netflix, Hulu, Amazon Prime Video. There are others out there. But you start to get too many. You know, Warner Brothers say, oh, you know what? We're going to create our own. Mm, all of a sudden, again, if, if each studio does that, then I, I think that becomes very messy and, and kind of defeats the point but, of having streaming services. So they may say, grass is greener. We'll stick with these services. We'll take our royalties and that will do us. And I think that's the better option. Just Because that then ensures the- consistency and that they're going to get those hits if they're creating or using or advertising or use, having their own service, they're not guaranteed the signups. Just looking at it, looking at it, sorry, from the other, or from the studio's perspective, would they rather get the royalties off of a hundred people on Netflix watching Toy Story Four? I know it's a Disney. Um, or would they rather twenty-five people pay full price for Disney Plus and watch Toy Story Four? Yeah, like, exactly. Is the is the is the great number on exactly, royalties yeah. better, or you know, is actually are you fine accepting? less people are going to watch it but you're going to make more money per person at that point so movie studios are all about bottom line at the end of the day it, we are well past the days of not wanting to create a good movie the people that still work there obviously want to create the best movies but kind of the the behemoth corporations that most of these places are now is it's just dollar signs in their eyes every time a franchise comes along i mean just look at star wars it's like how many more star wars films are they going to be um it's just dollar signs um yeah not for me it's not because I don't like them anyway <laughs> oh you know how to annoy a lot of people <laughs> <laughs> um, and Britbox which is similar um, it's basically the, the big UK broadcasters BBC ITV Channel 4 Channel 5 have now jumped on board I, I get it but then I don't because what about iPlayer what about ITV player what about Channel 4 on demand what about what are we paying a TV license for then BBC that was one of my first thoughts as well it's like hang on a minute I thought iPlayer was meant to be our like holy grail of prior mm. series obviously those outside of the UK the iPlayer is a fantastic service that the BBC offer you can watch live or on demand BBC programs you can go back years some things are like available for seven days some things are available for years like there's like a no middle ground it seems um but iplayer is kind of more and more becoming like a box set place over the past couple years so for example when uh the new series of luther started this year i think um all the bbc tv ads were like catch up on iplayer now bearing in mind the series before is like two or three years ago they, they were they were pitching iplayer as this like place to go watch box sets of bbc shows which is great now it sounds like we're gonna have to pay for that on another service it's like bear in mind i only want the stuff off of bbc because i itv have produced nothing of note ever um channel 4 only have formula one that i care about and channel 5 may as well not exist um so yeah i mean I, i'm super excited to obviously watch love island i'm definitely gonna pay for if i imagine as as are you 
Yeah. Big Love Island fan? Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, yeah. I, I don't see a need for this service, to be honest. I don't see why they need to charge five ninety nine a month for it either, because all of the programs are available. Now, if it is a case of box sets and programs and so on, that makes more sense. But just seems like they're trying to get on board something they don't need to be on board. This That's this kind of goes... This kind of is like the answer to what we were talking about before. This feels very much like these channels should just go to Netflix and goes, here's our back catalogue. Have fun. Um, like Top Gear is on Netflix and things like that. You know, lots of BBC stuff on Netflix. Like, that's fine. I'm I'm quite happy to pay for Netflix and get the old BBC stuff, even though it feels like you're paying for it twice. Um, but that's okay. I don't want to... Well, I'm just not going to sign up for another service. So, you're lost, BBC. I'm Channel 4, ITV, Channel 5, yada, yada, yada. Yeah. Smartphones haven't killed the GoPro. They've actually made it stronger. Um, they've made the product stronger, the company stronger, the theory and the practicality behind it also stronger as well. Their new Hero 8 Black had the best first month of sales of any camera in the company's history, according to the third quarter of physical results released on Thursday. What's more, GoPro says the new camera sales were up 40% compared to the first month of the Hero 7 in 2018. The camera set the previous or the company's previous record and spent years basically guessing that the rise in smartphone photography will lead to GoPro's demise, but instead the increasing demand for standout social media content, a hunger that's driven by the rise of smartphones of course, has created an environment where each new GoPro sells better than ever before. Could be because smartphones are notoriously easy to break. GoPros on the other hand can be put into situations which you wouldn't put your phone into, which I guess the smartphone is fueling that, fueling the need for that. And you can say it's a quality thing because both produce quality content. Phones produce fantastic videos, fantastic photos, as, as do GoPros. So it's not so much outcome it's use case really i still don't see such a huge crossover between the two to me gopro has always been the you know what it's what it's sold as it's the action sports camera it's the strap it on top of your ski helmet or to the mm. outside of your drift car and you know that type of camera whereas that's not how apple pitched the iphone or well, last time i checked it's not how apple are pitching the iphone like i've just never seen why for a lot of cases i've never seen why they would step on each other's toes too much maybe i could see why the smartphone would have a slight impact on action camera sales in general um but i could probably or i probably would understand that less than say uh if sony announced that their pocket camera sales were down that would make more sense that feels like a okay that's a market that could be or is being slightly replaced by the smartphone i just don't see the 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 draw between action sports cameras such as gopro and smartphones as being such a huge crossover when it comes to the video. I appreciate more and more people, obviously. You've gone from carrying a dedicated camera around to you just have what's in your pocket. But if you want to do anything more, you still go to GoPro, I think. Yeah, because the, the smartphone isn't necessarily going to make it or you don't want to, <laughs> to attempt the, you know, fate with it. Um, Thursday's numbers weren't all stellar. They pulled in just $131 million in revenue, the lowest amount of money they've generated in a single quarter since going public in 2014. And it lost just shy of $75 million. But if you read between the lines, you can get a sense of how their multi-year effort to cut costs is paying off. Um, to wit, GoPro's posted six quarterly losses, worse than this one in its history, but all of them come in quarters where the company generated far more revenue. By spending the last few years trimming the workforce, ex- ex- exiting the drone business and focusing on its camera lineup, they've actually lowered the 
cost of doing business enough to withstand quarters where the company doesn't pull in a ton of money. In fact, the CFO, Brian McGee, said that Thursday, uh, or on Thursday, sorry, that the $99 million the company spent in operating expenses this quarter was the lowest that that figure has been in five years. So they've streamlined the company, and as a result, they are giving themselves the best chance possible. I mean... It's such a that's such a PR spin on we lost seventy five million dollars in three months. Well, it is because if 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 you think about it, I mean, why have you lost seventy five million dollars in three months? You're making a product; it's selling. Is I mean, are you selling it at a loss? (laughs) They would need to be. I mean, okay, two things. One, GoPros are still priced horrifically compared to the competition. GoPros are far too expensive considering what you can buy these days. GoPros pricing structure was fine seven, eight years ago when they were the only competition. But nowadays, every company and their kid is making action sports cameras. If they're any good or not is a whole other question. But if you can pick one up for 50 quid, 100 pounds, you know, people are just going to do that instead of, you know, uh, wanting to pay the three, four, five hundred pounds that the GoPro is still charging. The other thing, do you remember when GoPro was as synonymous, it maybe still is, as synonymous with, with sports as the likes of Red Bull are? Like everything you watched on YouTube, everything you watched on TV, you know, it felt like it had a GoPro logo on it, um, like right next to the Red Bull logo or the Monster Energy logo or whatever. Um, like GoPro had this huge market maybe they still do but I, I see it less and less um, like they were the name and it felt like they must have been absolutely raking the money in and here we are you know I'm kind of all talking about that pre-2014 so we wouldn't have known numbers at that point and here we are in the year since 2014 they've had some slip-ups along the way some pretty major slip-ups um, along the way and it still feels like pricing is one of them and here we are where they're losing or they're happy about only losing 75 million dollars in three months it just seems like gopro need to great you know not great cutting the workforce but you know what i mean um, streamlining the business is a good thing um, it shows that the company is trying to do something it just i don't know how are you losing that much money it's the same thing we talked about with twitter for years it's such a simple product idea twitter that using losing that amount of money was just crazy to us now gopro obviously being a hardware company in Instantly, the costs are a lot higher. Um, but still, a name that is that big and that synonymous and that well known around the world, losing that much money is just crazy. It's hard to understand where that's coming from. I mean, if a company of that size and <laughs> that clout can't produce a profitable income, what company can? Seems like there's internal reviews that need to take place. I'm not talking about cutting your drone business. I mean, obviously, they have done relevant work. They've trimmed the workforce. Obviously, they're running the drone business. They're focusing on their camera lineup. They've made the product a much more unified package. But at the same time, it hasn't, hasn't had an overly positive... Okay, it's it's brought their losses, oh, trimmed them a bit, but it, it hasn't done much. If you look at the graph, it really, they're, hmm, yeah, interesting. But at the same time, sales are still doing well. So, yeah. I think so. Cameras, smartphones aren't killing their business. They can't use any, apart from the internal business practices, they have no reason why the company couldn't be doing well. Can't turn around and say, well, the smartphone's killing us. It's not. GoPro have been trying to slowly build back up another revenue generating part of its business. One example, obviously, is the GoPro Max, a 360 degree camera that's far simpler to operate than the 2017 predecessor, the GoPro Fusion. They say the Max also had a relatively strong first month, selling four times as many than they did in the first month of the Fusion. Um, the lower price tag, $499, probably also helped that as well. 
So they are, they're making inroads. I don't think they're fully there yet. They still need to, to have a lot of focus on, on internal business practices to make sure they, they keep costs down because the costs are going to kill them if they don't. It's not the smartphone. The Apple TV Plus, uh, the worst part of it is the TV app. That's what's coming in. We talked about it last week. More reviews are coming in this week. I feel as if the eyes are all on Apple, aren't they? I mean, we're not talking about any other streaming service and their integrated app. We're talking about Apple. Um, and it has I mean, been a very mixed affair, hasn't it, this debut of it, of the TV Plus? Yeah, service. this this is what we talked about last week. The critics' reviews were overly negative. And when we talked about it last week, I didn't really have a... or couldn't really comment because I hadn't seen anything. Uh, since then, I've watched all three episodes of The Morning Show and all three episodes of For All Mankind. The three episodes are all that were available at the time. They release new episodes every Friday now. I need to watch the two new ones of those. And the fact that I've watched all three, it's an indication of my opinion already. The Morning Show and For All Mankind, I've loved them so far. They're really good. Um, I was looking up the Rotten Tomato scores as well, and they're both on like in their 90%, I think, um, user score. Um, which is really high, like vastly different to the critic score. Um, but not what I want to talk about today. This is an opinion a lot of people seem to have with the Apple TV service, Apple TV Plus service. Apple have too many things called Apple TV. It's ridiculous. Um, TV Plus, they've got the TV app. They've got the hardware product. It's crazy. Um, the worst part about Apple TV Plus, as you said, seems to be the app. And I don't know about you, when Apple launched a streaming service, or when we knew Apple were going to launch a streaming service, I don't think any of us went, Apple are going to suck at the software on this, because this is Apple's bread and butter. I think everyone expected the app to be great, but the shows to... Pro- if one thing was going to be bad, it would have probably been the shows. I don't think any of us really went, the shows are going to be great and the app is going to suck. But here we are, you know, a week after launch, the shows are great, the app absolutely sucks, and it sucks across everything. Um, I've had some frustrations or, or whilst I was watching those on, on, the, on my Apple TV... Um, um, some things have changed this week. I don't know if Apple have been like doing stuff behind the scenes, but when I felt when I started watching them, so I, I watched all of the morning show first. Um, you know, on Netflix, when you you basically binge watch a TV series and the credits start to roll, and it goes next episode playing in five, four, three, two, one, um, and then it'll start, and it'll probably skip the intro for you, or it'll give you an option to skip the intro. All of this stuff was missing or not working. It is iOS. 13 at the end of the day. But all of this stuff was missing from this. So we were sitting through the full intros, which is fine the first time. But when I'm on the third episode, I probably don't need to watch the intro again. Um, when the credits start to roll, you, you're sat there going, is it is it going to give me an option to move on? <laughs> no, no, I'm going to watch two minutes. Okay, I've got to watch two minutes of credits. Fine. Like it's full like movie length credits as well as the end of the <laughs> TV show. <laughs> Basic stuff like that was missing. When it launched, TV Plus was nigh on impossible to find. Like, unless you knew it had launched you wouldn't like you'd have no idea where to find it um like you got to the point where you had to go into the tv app go into tv shows scroll down and there was a little banner that said tv plus um then you can see the shows on there they've done a slightly better job at reorganizing that in the week since um i had it yesterday i think where on the mac if you click on the tv shows tab like movies were coming up so there's that um actually it's still doing that if you click on tv shows you get the apple tv TV plus banner across the top and then right below it is recent movies at limited time prices 
next line down. New movies, uh, new and noteworthy movies, you know, it just keeps going on and on. And they're near the bottom is buzzworthy TV. Like, but I'm on the TV shows tab. It, it's stuff like this. Mm. The Apple should be better at this. If you want to launch a streaming service and you want people to be interested, your app has to be top notch. When you're missing basic features that other apps have had for years, um, Amazon, uh, Netflix, I imagine Disney's going to have all this, uh, HBO have all this, Hulu have all this. Apple just, it's crazy, like some of the stuff that's just been wrong. The amount of stuff that's like lots and lots of taps and menu buttons away. Um, when you watch like episode one of the morning show, trying to find episode two is a task um whereas netflix would go you know if, if you watch episode one you put it down for the day you come back the next day netflix goes do you want to watch episode two um which is the obvious thing to do whereas apple go do you want to watch episode one um like stuff like like apple have had a software quality issue for the past six months it feels like very well documented and we've talked about it a lot the issues with ios 13 the issues with catalina probably less issues with tv os 13 i know there's a few things um like apple got rid of the up next thing which is bananas which apparently is coming back um it has not been a great year for apple software which is such a contrast to how we spoke about last year when we were like mojave was solid ios 12 was really good from the get-go what happened in 12 months where we're back to where we were like two or three years ago when it just like it feels worse actually like they're even launching new uh new services and whatnot and it's just like are they spread too thin like what's going on over there for something that feels like this is apple's bread and butter and yet they seem to be falling flat on their faces i i'm surprised because apple are (laughs) software and hardware is as you said it's their bread and butter so for them what what this really says is apple tv plus was a half-assed attempt plain and simple but the shows are so good that's what doesn't make any sense (laughs) Mm, spent so long developing the shows not so long on developing the, the platform the shows go on to which i guess I would rather have, at the start anyway, good shows and a bit of a rubbish platform to navigate than, oh, it's great, I can access this terrible show easily. What they're making you do is work to see the good content they're producing then, if it's as good as you said, as I haven't watched any of it. But yeah, they they should have this right. They can get it right. I mean, iTunes wasn't great. Well, never really was great. Understatement of the century. (laughs) (laughs) But you know what I mean? You know, they they, they worked on it, they changed, alleviated and so on, alleviated some of the pressures and the problems, and it was never perfect. Um, But yeah, very enough i'll give you that fair play but in saying that apple should know software by now they should know they should know user uh, ux user experience they should know user design they should know um graphical user interfaces inside now they should know how users navigate and use these services so there's no excuse really i mean it's not if they don't have the money or the time the resources the talent the people the platform it's none of that so it's just a bit of laziness really i think and and you could say well they focused on the programs yep they should have had a team focusing on the platform as well i don't see that totally agree with um i don't hate the fact that the app is the worst bit um as you say i'd rather the app be the terrible bit because it's very easily fixable than the shows have fundamental issues with them um so i guess you know we are kind of clutching at straws here but yeah i would rather the app be terrible I'd rather, actually, I'd rather neither be terrible, but if you've got to pick one, then the uh, the app is probably the one I'd pick. To be awful. What a great decision we're now making. We have to now <laughs> pick which Apple thing we want to be terrible, because that's the state of Apple in 2019. Mm. Fragmented, that's the word I'd use to describe it. Because I, I 
purchased those AirPods, obviously, AirPod Pro. And the the case is a lightning connector to charge, but it's USB-C. I don't yet possess any other device that uses USB-C. MacBook Air doesn't, iMac doesn't, phone doesn't, iPad doesn't, obviously watch doesn't. <clears throat> it is the weird that I also thought that was kind of weird, um, not including a USB-A thing, because the phone, I believe, still ships with a USB-A lightning power brick and cable. And the AirPods feel like that's the thing you're going to pair it with. It feels like yeah. that's the thing you want to make the cable work with. Now, the iPad Pro, USB-C, the Macs are all USB-C now. Um, so that I can kind of understand. But okay, if you bought a new keyboard, then maybe, yeah, I could understand that coming with a USB-C to lightning because it's most likely going to be paired with something that's USB-C. Mm. The AirPods, just maybe there's some weird, like some product teams are ahead of other product teams and we're going through this weird transition phase. But the fact it's also USB-C to lightning, I think tends to indicate we're on lightning for the iPhone for the foreseeable future. Um, I think if they were going to switch over to USB-C, we would see USB-C AirPods and things like that. So Apple, had, it's a weird phase at the moment. I don't know. I, I mean, didn't we talk about their usage of USB-C and getting away from proprietary connectors? Potentially. But also at the same time, I mean, whether it's because it's a new product and they thought, you know, let's start as we mean to go on or whether they just really want to mess it up. I think and, and that, keep the that, iPhone lightning and use USB-C for their devices. That, that doesn't make any sense to me. I think that that's exactly it. That, that's what I'm saying in the, we, we, we were like, oh, it must be this year or next year that we go USB-C on the iPhone. But seeing things like the AirPods and new products coming out that still have lightning, if you're going to move in 12 months to USB-C as a company, you know that three years ago type thing. Um, your new products could be developed with that in mind. Um, it would feel very weird if the iPhone came out with USB-C next year, but we're still on lightning AirPods and whatnot. So I think we're stuck with lightning for a little while. Um, but yeah, Apple are a weird place at the moment. It's a weird, uh, just, I don't know, some of the stuff that's coming out, some of the stuff that's going on, like I know at the beginning of the year, we thought we were like super excited, but like this is the year of Apple. It's going to be so good. We're going to get so much stuff. And I don't know, we're, we're middle of November here or beginning of November. And I'm excited about the Mac Pro, even though I will never be able to buy one or afford one. But yay. <laughs> like, I don't know. It's just been weird. Yeah. Is online advertising the new dot com bubble? That's the question or the statement is that it is. Um, and it's it's a very expansive subject area to talk about. Not one for the end of a show either. But online advertising it has been around since online has been around. But with the exception that before it was not an art, it was a sorry, it wasn't a, a science. It was an art. Art data didn't exist, and it was it was harder to track users online. Now completely different. It really is. It's backed by science. It's backed by hard facts. It's backed by what you do, what you watch, what you see, what you consume, what you buy, browse, search, etc. So really, <laughs> Google, it's not a search company. It's an advertising company. Facebook, it's not really a social network. It's an advertising company. It's already advertised to you. Twitter, nope, that's actually an advertising company. Anyway, but they won't advertise political pandemics to you. Not in the US anyway. <laughs> but, you know, that's the thing. And that's how internet, the internet has been moving on for many years now. And it's not going to stop. The money spent on internet ads is going up each year. In 2018, more than $273 billion were spent on digital ads globally. Most of them were purchased from two companies.
companies, Google and Facebook. Google took 116 billion, Facebook took 54 and a half billion. Now, you could say that this online advertising quote bubble is no more than a bubble that TV advertising was. TV advertising is just moving to online, essentially. It's, it's becoming more competitive and more analytical. And... There is the point that online advertising is more niche, so it's more effective, i.e. it is more cost-effective and makes more sense to invest and use. TV advertising just doesn't doesn't make sense in 2019 when you compare it to online advertising. Does it really? I mean, you're, you're a TV program, okay, you can narrow down to a specific type of person. You can try. Doesn't ever work. Whereas an online advert, you know who is looking at the advert and whether you're going to want to target to them or not. What are your t- uh, two cents, Aaron? I don't... Maybe the headline is a little sensationalist. I don't think it's a huge bubble or something that's no. about to burst like the, the dot-com bubble was back in the day. Um, maybe I'm wrong. But uh, I think online advertising, we've probably spoken about in a fairly negative light over the past few years. Um, because the stories that obviously we've talked about or the reasons we've had to talk about it have traditionally been fairly negative. Um, ads being evasive, stealing all your data, that kind of thing. Whereas in reality... I think online advertising, most online advertising is just fine. Um, And I think you'd be very hard pressed to even probably the most hardcore uh, ad blocker users, you'd be hard pressed to be able to 100% definitely say to them that their spending habits have not been influenced by some kind of advertising. Every company is an ad company at the core at the moment. Every online company, I should say, is an ad company at its core at the moment. As you say, Google, Facebook, they're all just ad companies companies underneath because unfortunately it's the only way they make money the i guess the only bubble i can think of is that the 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 more and more these companies push towards advertising being their 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 source of revenue is obviously the more and more important it becomes for them the more and more they want uh to target towards you and obviously how they do that changes um, through tracking you, through tracking your habits online, maybe even in person. Um, that made it sound like Facebook are going to send someone out to follow you, but you know what I mean. <laughs> um, and I think that's probably where the, if you're going to use a bubble word, I think that's where it would come from. Um, it's this, we will, we'll, we navigate the online world now. And it's like, it's such a, there's a gif um, that I got sent a while ago that explains it or, or like sums up how we browse the internet uh, today so well and it's like someone fighting through a huge crowd and it's like you know as the the pop-up appears the sign up to my newsletter the adverts the cookie banners this that the other um and you know it's such a shame that that's what the web is today but unfortunately that's how companies make their money and i i don't see that being like something that's going to disappear or something that's like a bubble that's going to burst um i think there will be more and more money pumped into this stuff because people are buying more and more stuff online. People are, you know, making decisions online. It's not like the dot-com bubble where money was being pumped into it massively, but no money was coming out the other side of it. Like money is coming in and money is going out of of online advertising today. Um, so I don't think it's something that's like about to change in some way. And bearing in mind, you know, this whole article goes on to compare it to uh, TV advertising. Um, and TV advertising, you know, has been on the increase um, and is projected to still be on the increase. Um, obviously, nowhere near as much as online and online has, has kind of far overtaken it now. But it's not like TV was some kind of bubble that burst when the internet came along. Like, in the TV is still an extremely valuable place for advertising. Just look at the Super Bowl. It's like every year is setting record prices for uh, the 30-second ad slot. Mm. 
Yeah. Uh, TV advertisements, more expensive to buy, not as effective, potentially in certain scenarios. Online adverts, not as expensive to buy um, and and more targetable. I don't think this is a bubble. I don't think it's going to burst. It's the way the internet works at this point in time is how it's funded. A lot of people say, we'll burst the bubble and install ad blockers. Hmm. It's, yeah, it's an interesting one. But it's it's not anything that's ever going to get go away. I mean, what? Google, 116 billion. Facebook, 54 and a half billion. Last year alone. I mean, that's that's an industry that's growing and, and will continue to do so. It's how you reach out. You have data on a, a set of people. You know that person based on what they've searched before, what they're doing online, what they want to look for, what they have been looking for, what they want to buy, what they don't like, don't want to buy. You, you know all that. And that's that. And it's the same with Amazon. You know, they advertise to you based on what you buy before. Well, you bought that. You might like this. That's, yeah, that's, that's nothing new, right? No. And it's not going to change anytime soon either. That brings us to the end of 487. Thank you so much for joining us. As always, if you enjoy the show, you can listen to more episodes over at munchtech.tv for our ultimate guide to podcasting, the book, and also information online, podcastassist.com and munchtech.tv forward slash ultimate podcast guide for our mobile apps, munchtech.tv forward slash mobile and our newsletter, munchtech.tv forward slash newsletter. And of course, we always mention it. We'd be remiss if we didn't. Our interview with Steve Wozniak, the co-founder of Apple a computing pioneer and an engineering genius on over at munchtech.tv forward slash was. It's from 2012, but it's still very relevant and it's still a good listen, even if I say so myself. As always, thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. Until for it, it, we will see you next week. Until then, have a great, safe and enjoyable week. I'll see you in for it. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.